follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you, and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Raven Devaney, and today we'll be talking about the snowman and the snow dog, Love the Coopers, Brooklyn, the good dinosaur, and Up on the Wooftop. So to start off the show, we have with us nine-year-old Cameron from Charlotte. How are you doing today, Cameron? I'm doing good. Awesome. Super glad to have you with us. So right now we are going to be talking about The Snowman, which is a short animated film which came out in 1982. And then in 2012, there was a sequel released to it, The Snowman and the Snow Dog. And N-Circle Entertainment is going to be releasing the two films as a package. So let's start off with talking about the 1982 short animated film. What did you think of The Snowman? I actually liked it. I didn't really love it, love it. But it had a good animation. It was like a classical story based Mm -hmm. off the book Mm -hmm. and there was no talking in it kind of like the book there was like no words and then the movie no talking and they had like an orchestra doing emotions of what they were doing and it made me like surprised that it actually did it actually did the emotions like it's supposed to yeah and about the orchestra i think like little kids will probably like go to sleep on it like for Mm -hmm. the because it's like relaxing and calm. Mm-hmm. It has some comedy in it. And the snowman in the first film that came out in 1982, he was actually acting like a kid, messing with adult makeup, putting on clothes, mm-hmm. and also putting in false teeth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm actually kind of glad to hear that they stuck with the tradition of not having any dialogue within the film because I loved that book growing up and I still love it and and I think it's adorable and I love the fact that no words or dialogue is used to tell the story and that they found ways through pictures and it seems with the animated film with music to tell the story. So what sort of a message do you think that this film gives to little kids? I know that, you know, you said it was very calming, but what other aspects make it enjoyable for younger kids? What will make it enjoyable is that it has some fun stuff. There's adventures. They're going on adventures. The snowman takes a little boy on a motorcycle in the first film. But in the second film, which came out in 2012, takes him on a plane to a skiing race. And there were a lot. There were Asians, Asian people, Hawaiians. Mm-hmm. They were snowmen. And there was only one penguin racing against them. <laughs> but it oh was goodness. just fun. And also the snowmen were also in, separate in different cultures. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So it was kind of like the Olympics almost? Yes. Oh, that's... Kind of, but they were like all racing against each other. Mm-hmm. So like Hawaiians against Asian, you know, Hawaiians against Hawaiian. They were like against each other, even mm-hmm. though they were from the same cultures. Oh, that's cool. Well, it sounds like they go on a lot of really fun adventures. What other crazy adventures do the snowman and the little boy go on in the first film and also in the in the newer film that came out in 2012? Well, the first film, they went past, I think, 
think it was either North Pole or South Pole or Antarctica. Mm-hmm. But but they were like following species. They were like a whale. There was some type of whale and some penguins. Mm-hmm. And they were like, but in the second one, since they concluded the dog, the dog, the dog was like kind of a bit like confused about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like they definitely go on a lot of fun adventures, and it seems like, you know, it, it, it's something that's really fun for children and families to watch and doesn't really require any words, which I think is a really fantastic device used for storytelling. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and right now we are talking about the snowman and the snow dog, Cameron. And as I said earlier, the snowman was a short animated film uh, that came out in 1982, and then a sequel was released, The Snowman and the Snow Dog, in 2012. And End Circle Entertainment is going to be releasing a package of the two films. So, Cameron, you mentioned earlier that the animation is very similar to that of the book in the first film. So what about in the second film? Do they use very similar animation techniques, or do you notice that it's a little bit different? Well, they did use the same animation techniques. I actually really liked the animation because they did, like, literally just sketch the whole entire thing. They didn't mm-hmm. use, like, computer-wized or anything. That's awesome. And, See, and there wasn't even... In a bright colors, just like normal, simple colors that don't even pop out to you, just like simple colors. So it was really like the the book then? Yes. That's wonderful. Yeah, I really kind of almost, I mean, like, I, I love how much, like, technology has advanced in the way that films, you know, like Frozen or, gosh, what are some other animated films? Um, Toy Story is a big one that used sort of that newer type of, of animation where it's more computer generated. But I love the classic, like, look of drawn out animation. Like, I love the Aristocats and I love, you know, the classic Cinderella where it's all drawn. And this, you know. Yeah color scheme that they use it's wonderful uh so i know in the second film the snowman and the snow dog the reason that the snow dog is there because there's some sort of sort of trauma that goes around with the little boy losing his dog um so can you talk a little bit about that and some of the messages that it gives yes they were the dog died Mm -hmm. the dog died but we don't know how yet but the dog died and but at the end the snow dog was just regular snow dog that had like a, a collar and then just turned into a, a random a real dog. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that can give any messages to children? Does it? Do you think it helps like cope with the loss of an animal or the loss of a loved one? Yes, because like even though if your loved ones died or you can't see anymore, you can still know that they're still here. Mm-hmm. And obviously the snowman and the little boy are the primary characters, but in the films, did you notice that there were any other characters that came into play? The mom and dad, actually, because Mm -hmm. in the book, I couldn't really remember, but I think there was, I think there was just a dad in it. Mm -hmm. I think so, I couldn't remember. Yeah. But, But I actually really liked it. Yeah that they brought in those other characters. That's good. I mean, I know sometimes with certain films, it really, really helps for them to just have, you know, the primary characters. But I think it's also cool that they were able to incorporate some other characters that weren't necessarily in the books. So I know you mentioned that they go on a lot of really fun adventures. What sort of adventures do they go on that make the story relatable to audiences? Because I know, I mean, 
maybe if some of us are super lucky in our lifetime, we'll have a snowman that comes to life and takes us on planes and, and motorcycles and all that stuff. But other than that sort of fantastic element, what makes this story or, or these films relatable? The, the second and the second one, Santa was actually there and gave him like this little present. Oh, fun. Which was that collar for the dog. Mm-hmm. But he was actually really... But then with Santa, they also had a party with other snowmen. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. So then it sort of adds that that other aspect of festivity and fun, fun things like that. And I know a lot of people have the tradition of Santa Claus and, and do that. So I think that's really fun. And that's a fun way to tie that in. So, what age group would you recommend this film for? Because I know it is definitely geared towards younger kids, but for people that grew up reading the story, I know my parents definitely read the story when they were growing up and and as young adults and read it again as parents to me. So, what age group would you recommend this film for? I'm saying two to six, because some kids now don't really like the classical stories as much. Mm Mm-hmm. And that seems like a pretty good age rating. Mm-hmm. And but the little kids, they would like it because they would be. It'll be enjoyable. There's a lot of adventure. There is, and there's also the music that probably wouldn't would inspire them to love the movie. Actually, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. And how many stars do you give this film on a scale of one to five? Three, four to five. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for talking to us all about the snowman and the snowman and the snow dog. Like I said, Encircle is releasing them together. So make sure you check that out. It's just in time for the holidays. And they're both really short, fun, sort of animated films that you can watch with your family or put on, you know, during Christmas parties. It's super festive. So again, Cameron, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking with you. Let's take a break. I'm Raven and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is brought to you by The Snowman by Encircle Entertainment. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're a responsible person, and you're trying to do everything you can to save the planet. But are you doing enough? We've got the right person to help you keep on thinking green. Mario Jr. is the host of Alive and Green. The show is all about green tips, staying environmentally friendly, and having fun while doing something great for our Mother Earth. You'll want to check out the show Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. If we all do our part now, it'll only mean a brighter and better future for us later. What's cooking? 
Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon appetit! tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orse, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the snowman and the other movie, The Snowman and the Snow Dog, and now we are going to talk about Love the Coopers with Mia. How are you doing, Mia? I'm doing good. Awesome. So can you tell us how did you enjoy the Love the Coopers? Well, I thought it was very funny and, of course, full of drama, too, because it's a comedy drama. And I thought it was very funny, but I was confused because there are two sisters and their age range is just very different. So it was kind of like, what? And can you tell us about the story of the film? Yeah, the story is... So it's like the family... The Coopers, and it's kind of like a bunch of subplots where it follows each family on how they're going to get to this big party they do and also their own personal life. You know, this story, like you said, the subplots, it's very hard to kind of center in on one main story when you're kind of concentrating on each character independently. So do you think they did a good job or was it a little bit all over the place? Well, I think they did a good job on like the specific stories, but in the beginning, it was kind of hard to know like what was the deal with the family and who's who. That makes sense. And this sounds like a, kind of just like another, as they would say, another holiday film. Do you think that's true? Or do you think this is actually a very unique, entertaining film? Well, it is just like a Christmas film, but it's also different because of the subplots and all of the great actors in it. And it's... Well, more different than the usual get-together and, like, all happy because there is drama. Now, a lot of people say this is more of a drama comedy. It's what it's listed at. Do you agree with that? I know you said it's a drama comedy beforehand. Well, yeah, because there is drama, and the drama kind of leads to just having it funny. So I guess it is kind of mostly a drama, but there is definitely comedy. And since this is partly a comedy movie, how are the jokes? Was anybody laughing out loud in the theater? Yes, there were many laughs. And some of them were kind of just strange and weird. But a lot of them got many laughs. And did you enjoy the jokes yourself? Yeah, I laughed at a lot of them. And how's the cinematography in this film? Could it be better or is it perfect? I thought it was almost great but sometimes when they're like running around with the actors it does get a lot of motion so it's kind of like whoa what the heck are they doing there and do you think you would watch this film again or you saw it once it's good i'm don't it's not one of the films you would see many times i'd probably maybe watch it again like once but maybe not like over and over and over and since this is a holiday film would you see this film with your family on a holiday night like christmas eve night or something Maybe, but since there is some, like, inappropriate in the film, maybe not with, like, all my family. 
So definitely not like for the whole family, maybe just for the older kids and the parents. Yeah. And do you have a favorite character? Well, my favorite characters, I have two, would probably be Joe and Eleanor, and they have their own like subplot together. They just act great together, and I just love both of them. And how is the acting? I mean, you have Diane Keaton in this. Diane Keaton is one of my most favorite actresses. You have Ed Helms. You have Alex Bordstein. So how is the acting? It is very good of the acting, and they kind of just act well together, and they have great chemistry. And it kind of just makes the film good because they have such great actors. And was the story ever boring? Did you ever lose tension, or did it keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time? I never lost tension, and... It did kind of keep me on the edge of my seat, but there were some parts that were like, I might know what's coming up, so this isn't like, so... Uh, Can you talk about those parts specifically, please? Yeah, so like, sometimes when there were, like, at the dinner table and like, off of sometimes like the commercial, you knew that something was going to go wrong, so it wasn't so much of like a pop-out surprise. Oh, I see. So it's just kind of like expecting the tension to break soon. Yeah, but some of the tension I did not accept, expect at all. Hmm, that makes sense. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we will talk about Brooklyn. We will be talking about The Good Dinosaur and also Up on the Rooftop. But right now we're talking to Mia about the new holiday film, Love the Coopers. We're kind of talking about how it is a little bit tension time to time. But it doesn't do us a good job because you kind of expect attention. So, Mia, do you have a favorite scene? My favorite scene would probably be when Joe and Eleanor are sitting on the train going to Eleanor's parents' house. And there's just a lot of comedy, which got a lot of people laughing, and it was very funny. And how is the production? Like, the sets and the characters and all of that? Well, they did a good job doing the sets because it was very Christmassy. You could feel that it was Christmas all over the place. It wasn't just like part Christmas, which really helped get the image of it's Christmas. So I thought they did a really good job on that. And would you want to change anything about the film or was it just perfect? I probably, I love Diane Keaton and Marissa Tomei, but Maybe they could get another actor that was closer to one of their ages because they're supposed to be sisters in close age range, but they're really not. So it was kind of confusing. I see. Dan Keaton plays Charlotte and Marissa plays Emma, by the way, for people who are wondering. And how is the directing? The director is Jesse Nelson. How did he do? It was very funny. The script was written well. It was had some good surprises that you wouldn't expect. But there was also, again, like I say, some surprises you would expect. So it was just good overall. And how many stars do you give the film? I rate this film three and a half, four stars because there is some confusion on the age. But there is a lot of comedy and drama, and I just enjoyed it a lot. And do you have a favorite quote from the film that maybe describes the film well or you just enjoyed it? I didn't really notice like any quotes, but I enjoyed the comedy and the drama. I see. And since you kind of mess it, mess, uh, mentioned that each character has a kind of subplot for their own character, did you have a favorite subplot that you want to talk about? Yeah, my favorite subplot would probably be, again, Joe and Eleanor's because they just have great chemistry 
and they're just really funny and they probably got the most laughs and I was I was reading other reviews and I agreed to this that they could have made a whole, the whole movie on Joe and Eleanor their story was just amazing hmm Maybe they will. Who knows? Maybe there will be a sequel. Since this is a holiday film, holiday films usually have a good soundtrack. Does this film have a soundtrack at all? No, there wasn't really a lot of music in this, like singing or anything. All right, and how about an age range? Uh, I know you mentioned that it's a little mature for younger kids. I would probably do 12 to 18 or anywhere between 12, 13, because... Yeah, there is inappropriateness, but it wasn't, like, the worst, so people could probably, some of, like, 12, and possibly, depending on what their parents let them see, 11-year-olds, that would be able to handle it. And do you think that this film kind of creates an oxymoron for itself because it's kind of like set up to be sort of a family film? It's uh, talking about a family trying to get to Christmas dinner, but yet it's very mature, not meant for the whole family. Yes, I do believe that it could be for the whole family unless, again, you have really young kids because there is some inappropriateness that could make it feel a little awkward. But yeah, it's very family. A lot of people could relate to it. And was there anything about the film that you did not like? Like if it left something out or just kind of ripped off a character without mentioning the ending of it? Yeah, so there is this policeman, which was part of a subplot but wasn't huge, that they kind of just left out. All right. And also, do you have like uh, one moment you want to talk about in particular that you found interesting or they didn't do something good about the production or the directing or anything? I liked a lot of the scenes, but mostly all the funny ones. Like, each subplot had funny ones, but I also enjoyed the scenes when they were all together, because that created a lot of drama and comedy. And you, do you think this film has a moral message of any sort? Well, yes, but since there's so many subplots, they kind of, like, jump all over the place, so it's kind of hard to, like, grip onto one specific one, so not really that I have. Hmm. So no real message for the kids, it's just kind of like a fun story. Yeah, I mean, they're all, like, maybe little ones, but I didn't really catch on to one. Now, do you think this idea kind of has been done before with uh, the show, like, Modern Family? It's kind of a dysfunctional family, or do you think this is a very original idea? Well, I actually haven't seen Modern Family, but I guess it could be, like, some of the TV shows that are, like, family drama and stuff like that. But it did have the Christmas twist and all those great characters. So, Well, thank you so much for talking to me about the new film, Love the Coopers. It is now in theater, so definitely check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This show is sponsored by The Snowman from N-Circle Entertainment. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. 
To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Tune in to Dinosaur Detectives with Little Miss Dinosaur, Anna Dubois. We'll not only learn about dinosaurs, but also about fossils, ancient civilizations, and ask questions from paleontologists. You'll learn about science in general with an emphasis on paleontology and dinosaurs in general. Anna hopes that this show will start or increase your awareness and interest in the field of science. Dinosaur Detectives can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, and welcome back. I'm Raven, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. So right now, I have with me 11-year-old Mia from my hometown, Boulder, Colorado. How are you, Mia? I'm doing good. Wonderful. Long time no talk. It's good to talk to you. So right now, we are going to be talking about the new film, Brooklyn, which I am so, so ecstatic to see. So what did you think of this film, Mia? I really enjoyed this film, and I'd probably watch it a couple more times because there was a lot of heartfelt moments, and they really got you in love with all the characters. All right. Well, me and you are going to have to hit the theaters soon because I definitely need to see this film. It seems absolutely amazing. It it talks a lot about—I mean, it's it's not necessarily based on a true story, but I feel like a lot of— immigrants um in the 50s did have sort of this experience um so what do you think about the set and the filming and the costumes and how they sort of encompassed that era well i thought it was amazing that they how they did that era because it's hard to find like make it feel so much like you're there like the costumes and the settings and they really captured that without putting something super modern like whoa that's really modern into it mm-hmm. yeah I think I think it must have been tricky and and I don't know I as I mentioned earlier I have not yet seen the film but do you think that they used any sort of special animation or CGI to sort of show 1950s New York because I mean a lot of times you can take certain cities and make them look less modern and you know turn them back into flashbacks from the past but in a place as sort of modern and progressive as New York I would I would assume it would be kind of difficult to set up that feel without using some sort of special effects yeah I didn't notice a lot like maybe green screen there's nothing like that but in some of the closed in room scenes they might have done like in they might have created their whole set but Mm -hmm. in other parts like when they're out and about in the city 
they might have just amazingly found some amazingly looking era yeah, places. That's place. wonderful. Yeah. So for those people in our audience who aren't super familiar with the story of Brooklyn, can you give just sort of a brief overview of the film? Yeah, so Brooklyn is about a girl named Ailish who used to live in Ireland, and so she's an immigrant going to America. And in the beginning when she goes over to America, she's so homesick and feels bad from leaving her sister and mother. But she does find love with Toby, and it kind of builds off their relationship and what she's going to do. Like, does she go back home or Mm -hmm. what happens with that story? Yeah, this story, I think it it presents a lot of stuff because not only is it sort of a period piece and sort of capturing this historical element of America and all of these immigrants coming to New York in the 50s and sort of how that established our country, but it also talks so much about different relationships and, and conflicts between, you know, which path do you choose? So what sort of morals and messages do you think that Brooklyn delivers? Well, I think one of the morals is that They do say this, that home is home and home is where the heart is. So Ailish kind of has, she loves Ireland and America. So Mm -hmm. she kind of has to like choose because, you know, she can't be in both places. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a huge thing that immigrants coming to America dealt with. And I'm sure probably still do deal with in, in more modern times. But the conflict of still feeling such a strong connection to where you're coming from but also loving the new country that you're in and I think the conflict between keeping your culture and keeping your cultural identity while while also like growing and accepting and loving the new place that you're in so I think that's really cool that this film touched on it so let's talk a little bit about the acting because I love the cast Sorche Ronan who plays Elise she's I love her I mean she's amazing in everything that she's in she was in Hannah and Grand Budapest Hotel which are some of my favorite films talk a little bit about her performance as the lead in this and also some of the other characters that we see she was amazing and another character Tony played by Emery Cohen which is who she falls in love with their chemistry together was amazing and again she acted great she was so believable and mm-hmm. she had great expressions. Yeah, she's wonderful. And she can do just about every single accent there is. I was actually watching an interview of her um, on some late night show a couple days ago. And she did like 20 different like accents. And, and she's incredible. So I could definitely see her playing a young Irish girl and, and definitely nailing it. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and right now we are talking about Brooklyn, which is a wonderful film that was recently came out. And it's all about an Irish immigrant who comes to Brooklyn in the 1950s, falls in love, and kind of has to choose what path to go down. So talk to me a little bit about the music and soundtrack in this film. Well, there was kind of like the moody tunes, but there weren't that many like songs except for a couple, maybe like one, two songs that somebody would sing and that would really remind her of her home and Mm. what she's dealing with yeah absolutely that's wonderful did you notice that they included i mean were were there really traditional songs that were included uh traditional irish tunes i don't really know irish tunes but there are like songs that i guess reminded her that she thought that i was taking off of that was like an irish Mm -hmm. song so possibly and so i know Obviously, not everyone has the experience of immigrating to a new place, especially in the 50s. None of us were really alive then. But what makes this story relatable and what makes people want to watch this film? Well, I guess 
being homesick, going somewhere new, and getting in that love life, but maybe wanting to go be with your family. So she has that problem. Mm-hmm. And just f- being in a new place and having to discover having having to discover what she really wants to do and what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. And would you say that there is sort of messages and morals around being an outsider? I know from watching at the trailers, there's a scene where she's at dinner with her love interest's family who comes from an Italian family. And, and one of the little kids says, like, you should know, like, we don't like Irish people. So do you think that there was any messages of acceptance and being an outsider and things like that? Well, yeah. So there was, like, outsider, like, oh, you don't know a lot of Irish people, just like that scene, which got a lot of laughs. But there is, like, the people who, like, Tony, who care and, like, like Irish people and are okay with different people. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of that message of acceptance. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, so do you have a favorite character in this film? My favorite character is of course, Ailish. Mm-hmm. She was just another great actor and I just loved it. Mm-hmm. And do you think that you relate to her in any way or can find some similarities between your characteristics at all? Probably going somewhere new and discovering. I probably wouldn't like, travel across to like another country anytime Mm -hmm. soon but like discovering maybe like a new school or a new town or a new friend or something like that yeah absolutely and trying out new things I think that that's something that everyone has experience with I mean everybody had that nervous first day of school where you didn't know anyone or a new job or you know moving out of your parents house or something like that I mean obviously not us yet but I'm sure adults out there who see it will, will relate to that so do you have a favorite scene and if you do can you talk to me about it or maybe a scene that really stood out to you well my favorite scene is probably when two of her boarding school friends try to teach Ailish how to eat spaghetti properly in preparation mm-hmm. for her dinner with Tony's Italian family and it's really funny and it got a lot of people laughing yeah the one where they're like oh yeah you just splattered spaghetti yeah. sauce all over everyone yeah I saw that in the trailer and that looked pretty funny So as far as emotion goes, I know that this is a drama and a romance, and it sounds like it has a little bit of of comedy sprinkled in there, but do you think that it is sort of a heavy drama and that it'll pull out your heartstrings, or is it more along the the romance drama side? Well, it's kind of romance and drama. Mm -hmm. I'd say, like, almost equally balanced, because there is a lot of drama on which place leaving your family, but there is the love relationship between her and Tony. And I know this film sort of captures a lot of culture and a lot of traditions. So what were some, or were there any cultures or traditions that you saw from this film that you weren't aware of before? Did you learn anything necessarily about Irish or Italian immigrants in the 50s? Well, I did see how hard it was to be an immigrant to go to America and dealing with all that. And there were some dances and I guess... One time she's serving older people who were immigrants, but didn't really notice any, like, great traditions from... Yeah. Yeah. So this film is rated PG-13, but I feel like it definitely has a pretty large audience that I have seen interested in this film, spanning from, obviously, you know, teenagers to adults. So in your opinion, what age group would you suggest this film for? Well, I would agree with it, maybe 13 to adults 18, because there is a sex scene, which is kind of like, whoa... 
but yeah. I mean, it is PG-13, so. Yeah, so so definitely. I'm glad that you mentioned that, because I think definitely keep that in mind. I know if I hadn't have heard that from you, I would have never known, and I probably <laughs> maybe would have taken someone younger to see this, so thanks for letting me know. And how many stars do you give this film on a scale of one to five? Five out of five stars because of its great acting and the scenery. And even though it would be like 13-year-olds, I did enjoy it. If you just like take away the sex scene, like everything Mm -hmm. else would be exceptional to everybody. And it was just amazing. Wonderful. Well, Mia, thank you so much for talking with us all about Brooklyn. It is out in theaters now. So make sure you check it out. And Mia, thank you again for being with us. You're welcome. It's always wonderful talking with you. Let's take a break. I'm Raven, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is brought to you by The Snowmen by N Circle Entertainment. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. They say you can't change the weather, but we already have. And if we've changed it for the worse, let's change it for the better. Tune in to The Climate Opportunity, a two-hour special hosted by Beth Green and Dr. Grant Dean. Expert guests, Professor Scott Denning, Chef Laura Steck, video journalist Peter Sinclair, and Kelsey Wirth of Women Out Front will share how we can improve our lives while improving our weather. Listen on Inside Out Radio, Tuesday, November 11th, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Presented by Inside Out Radio and Voice America. At 13, you are just starting to become a teenager and are ready to move on to the next phase of your years. The squeals and screams are replaced by slightly less squeals and screams and you're expected to act a little more grown up. Tune in to Life at 13 for the answers and support you need to get through this time in your life. Your hosts have some amazing life experiences and because of this, they have the know-how to get you through ready for what's next. Life at 13, Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids Channel. 
Tune in every Monday for Purple Songs Can Fly. Our program serves as a musical outlet for children being treated at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. These songs are flown all over the world and even into space. Hundreds of songs have been written and recorded and have been part of shuttle missions, airline in-flight playlists, toured with the Rolling Stones, gone undersea and to the top of Mount Everest. Join our hosts for some great music on Purple Songs Can Fly, Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orse, and you're listening to Kiss First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about so many great films. We've been talking about The Snowman and the other movie, The Snowman and the Snowman Dog. We've been talking about Love the Coopers, Brooklyn. And now we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Nathaniel, who interviewed Michael O'Brien, the technical lead for The Good Dinosaur, and also the new film, Up on the Rooftop. So, Nathaniel, how are you doing? I am doing fine. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So, overall, how's your experience talking to Michael O'Brien? It was really cool meeting him and getting to ask him all these questions that I wanted to know about this amazing film. Did you learn any cool facts that you'd like to share with us? Well, he told me a bit about how they animated there and his job in doing it because he would go and get the materials that they needed to animate it on the computer. And he told us his like where his favorite scene was. Can you tell us and, about his... Sorry, go ahead. And... He answered a bunch of questions that I was really curious about. I'm also... Including that uh, that making a film for them lasted about seven years. But they had, every time they had to, uh, had many films overlapping them because they wanted to film out. I think it was every couple of months. And it was pretty amazing that they had that they were trying to get that many films out. Yeah, it is very amazing because you see all these animated greats like Inside Out, which was released earlier this year, and now with The Good Dinosaur. You think, man, these films look so cool. It's amazing how they can produce these. And nobody really realizes how much work goes into all the technical stuff with the animations and the computer hardware. Speaking of computer hardware, did he talk about, like, since he's doing now 3D like software instead of back in the good old days with Silly Symphonies when you actually had to draw each scene? No, he didn't really tell us much about that. He just said kind of that he takes the tools and that stuff. And about what you said earlier, it is really amazing and inside out. And that was really good. And and I also got to have a kind of sneak peek on other films that he made and how he made them. Can you tell us about any of those other films? Well, I can't really, I didn't really get to hear that much, but he worked on Brave, Nemo, Up, and a bunch of other amazing Pixar films. And all of those films have very beautiful animation, very beautiful backgrounds, especially Up. Up was gorgeous. I loved Up. So can you tell us about his favorite scene? Because you mentioned before that he told you about his favorite scene in the film. Can you talk about that? Well, he told that it was kind of around the part on the river, but I don't really want to spoil it for everyone that wants to watch it. 
That will be including me. I cannot wait for this film to come out. It looks amazing. Especially in this film, the animation is beautiful and gorgeous. Did he kind of talk about any of the process of the film at all? Making the film? No, not really, but he told us about kind of how they made the... They kind of made the characters by... They kind of made the characters in the computer by... And I kind of forget, but... He told us a bunch of cool facts about how they made the characters and how they edited the soft the movie images. And did he talk about any of the other previous films he worked out like in detail, like any other film he enjoyed working on that he talked about at all? No, he didn't really. We focused mostly on the good dinosaur. And was there any cool and interesting facts about the story or how the film was made that's very unique to it? I don't really... Well, he did tell us that a bunch of the Pixar films started with, like, What If? And this one starts with What If the, like, asteroid missed the Earth? And like you were saying, Inside Out, it said, What if there were, like, what if your ideas had, like, bodies? Well, what if your feelings had, like, control over your mind? And it was really cool. It is very cool, and the whole animation process is amazing and just spectacular to look at. Thank you so much for talking to me about talking to, I mean, sorry, Michael, about The Good Dinosaur. If you'd like to see The Good Dinosaur, it is coming out November 25th. I'm definitely going to check it out, so maybe I'll see you at the movies. Thank you so much for talking to me about this interview. It was a pleasure, and I also cannot wait for the release of this amazing movie. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we talked about The Snowman and the other movie, The Snowman and the Snow Dog. We also talked about Love the Coopers. We also talked about Brooklyn. And we talked about the interview with Michael O'Brien, who's a technical lead for The Good Dinosaur. But right now we're going to talk to Nathaniel again about The Snowman and the Snow Dog, which is a sequel released in 2012 from the uh, 1980s, I believe, the, the Snowman. So, Nathaniel, how are you doing? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. So, can you tell us about The Snowman and The Snow Dog? Well, it's a really good movie, and they did fix mistakes that they made from before and in The Snowman, but it has great animation, and I loved it. And the DVD you got, it also came out with the original The Snowman, right? Released by Jonathan Coates. Yeah, I got to see that as well, and it helped me understand the snowman and the snow dog from watching it in the beginning, and then I understood the second one more than I would have if I didn't see it. And how did you enjoy them, actually? Did you like them? Were they nicely made? Yeah, they were nicely made, and I enjoyed them. And I also, there was a bit of, there were some special effects, And many people had watched this during the holidays, during Christmas specifically. And it was like a Christmas tradition for a lot of them. And it was really cool. And it also had this really popular song in The Snowman called Walking in the Air. And it replayed it again in The Snowman and the Snow Dog, which was really cool. And it was favorite of the people that watched The Snowman, the the song so i think that it's going to be good to have the well it is good to have the the walking in the air song and the snowman and the snow dog as well 
I think that is pretty cool to kind of get something from the original to the sequel as well. So, did you see the snowman, the original, before this? No, I didn't, but once I saw it, it made me very interested, and I really like it now. So this animation, it isn't like 3D animation counter to what the previous film we talked about, The Good Dinosaur, was. It's actually kind of more like storybook animation almost. How was the animation, in your opinion? It was really good, and in my review, it says a lot of things about the animation. And I also saw another special effect. Well, another special scenes thing where it showed that they actually drew the pictures in the snowman and they just took a picture of it with kind of see-through paper that had been drawn on drawn on and it showed how they kind of made it but and they also showed that it was by drawing and not by computer but then I'm pretty sure in the snowman and the snow dog it is by computer and the DVD you got with the snowman and the snowman and the snow dog, that also had some bonus features, right? Can you talk about those, please? Well, I did say some things about them already, but it also had kind of different beginning with an actor, and I don't want to spoil it and tell who it was. And it also showed things about that there were it was really popular in Japan, and the bonus features were really cool. That is pretty interesting. And how was the story? Did you enjoy the story? Was the original did to keep you entertained or both of them? Yeah, like the original, it had an amazing adventure in it with the snowman. And it reminded me a lot of it. And as well, it didn't have any talking. And it was a lot like the original, but it had kind of more recent animation. And it looked really cool. And also, I loved all of the kind of things that they added from the original into this one. And they also kind of included a background part where it shows a new family moving into the old house from the original. Well, that's pretty cool. That's very interesting. You don't really see these things anymore. Like, they don't just have any sound and each body talking is just kind of like the music helps it to do itself, which I think is very interesting. It's kind of like the silly symphonies of this thing a long time ago, 20, 30 years ago now. Thank you so much for talking to me about the snowman and the snowman and the snow dog, but two different movies. It's very confusing. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure, and I should be the one saying thank you. Thank you very much. If you'd like to get the DVD, two of them, and also bonus features like we talked about, it is now in stores near you, so definitely check it out. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kissifer's Coming Attractions. Be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest films and DVD releases and learn how you can become a Kissifer's film critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the teen section of Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by The Snowman from Encircled Entertainment. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 